Or, you know, you could take 30 seconds and go click and book the fucking thing. Eh, let's not jump to conclusions here. I don't want to I don't want to book it and then cancel it. Wait, <laughs> why? <laughs> You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 312 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the usual cast of uh, characters, Seth Miller, Fosma Mood. Gentlemen, how are you? Great. How are you? You're doing great. That's good to hear. I was getting worried. Yeah, I am not. <laughs> Where are you, Seth, exactly? Right I am now. in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, uh, which is just across the river from Philadelphia, the city of, city of brotherly love. Um, I did not get to see the Liberty Bell. I did get to see 30th Street Station. I was working in King of Prussia today, so I got to see the shopping mall. Um, oh. I'm still trying to figure out if there's anything else in King of Prussia besides the shopping mall and the small office building I was in that was not in the shopping mall. But, you know, obviously there's a couple things because, you know, I had to drive like a mile between the two. But still, it, this the mall is insanely large. And like, which is weird. I just, I always knew of the King of Prussia mall and like, it's a big thing, but I had no idea just how big it was. So that was cool and disturbing uh, all at the same time. Um, and I had to fly to get here. Uh, now what did you, who did you fly? I flew American. Uh, they are the only airline currently operating nonstops between Boston and Philadelphia. Okay. So you did, you did fly out of Boston. I'm surprised you, you didn't want to make it to, you didn't want to do Manchester straight away. Um, it's easier to get to Boston, believe it or not, because I can take the bus. Mm. Um, and it was actually, it's actually a little harder. The bus used to come straight to uh, my town, like five minutes from my house. Now I have to drive to Portsmouth first. Uh, so it's 20 minutes of drive and then, you know, whatever on the bus or like an hour of driving. Yeah. And at six in the morning, making my wife drive an hour to drop me off at the airport and take the car home when her parents were in town seemed like a less than ideal situation. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Also, usually and also then like I have to get home also. And I guess I could have done in and one and out of the other. But it's just usually Boston has better schedules, better, easier, more, lots of things. So um, that's what I've been. We, that's where we fly out of most of the time, even though both Portland, Maine and uh, Manchester, if I'm driving, if, if we're driving ourselves, is slightly closer. It's crazy that you're that close to Portland, Maine. I guess yeah. I just don't know that geography very well. So yeah, Portland's not that far in from the border. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Seth, you this isn't your only stop on this trip, right? No, I've got uh, it's a four day trip. I get home late Thursday. Uh, I've got two more flights and driving the up to, via New York City at one point. So it's uh, quite an adventure. And are you going to be – Are you, like, what's your plan for, like, eating and stuff? Are you just going to order takeout? Outdoors only. Yeah. Um, outdoor or takeout. But outdoors only. Um, actually had a lovely dinner this evening. On a whim, sort of – I did call a friend of mine uh, who lives in the area uh, and managed to meet up with her after work uh, for dinner. And I was just going like, to have a beer outside, and it was fine. And as I was getting ready to, like, just have a drink, she's like, where are you going to eat in Mount Laurel? We're at a good restaurant now. Why don't you just eat here? And I was like, you know what? You're a very smart woman. Thank you. Um, I had a, actually had a really nice dinner uh other problem with uh manchester way fewer flights the only flight was at 7 20 this morning so that would not have worked considering i was on a 10 o'clock now is that one of american's routes that's still there like manchester philly yeah they do fly they fly in morning and an evening um so it's twice a day uh which is way better than a lot of markets like i got i go to via buffalo and flights to buffalo are massively limited compared to what they were uh, from either philadelphia or from new york um and buffalo to boston for me to get home used to be a daily and a couple times daily drought with JetBlue, and now it's three times a week wow wow 
So I had I basically had to book my schedule of my entire trip around being able to catch that flight home. Hmm. What um, interesting. What was it like flying? Like, what's your experience compared to to Foz's? The on the plane part was fine. Uh, I, I I can't complain about any of it. I will, but I shouldn't. Like, so let's let's start there. I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was fine. Most of the people wore masks. Um, I, the one jackass sitting in the terminal with a mask on his knee um, frustrated me, but I'm not surprised. Um, there's another couple people like with their masks around their chin talking to each other. There's the guy like talking on his phone, so he pulled the mask down. I'm going to be like, it, your voice goes through it just fine. Put your mask back on. Um, <laughs> I will say that the people I saw in the terminal not wearing masks generally did so away from other people. So I guess that's good, but also still not really what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, having the mask on for eight hours straight isn't ideal, but it was basically my morning from the bus to the terminal to the plane to the rental car. And I actually did an interview from Philly. So I did a video um, where I was stayed in the terminal a little extra time and had my mask on extra for that. So. Again, not ideal, but is what it needs to be done to get it done. The, the flying was fine. My flight was empty. It was about 30 people on an A319. Mm. So had a row to myself. It was easy. It was fine. I still didn't get the upgrade, though. I was uh, I missed by one. Uh, <laughs> so that was amusing. As a go- admittedly, as an advantage, gold. So like, there's no reason I should have had the upgrade, although they, uh, American is blocking the one seat in first class closest to the jump seats. Okay. And so without that blocked seat, I actually would have gotten the upgrade. Which is amusing to me. Um, I, w- I would not have taken it because it was an aisle seat uh, with someone sitting next to me. Uh, two things I didn't want. But anyway, um, you know, it was all fine. But at the same time, I I don't really think that this project needed anybody to travel right now, much less me. Um, and I'm a little skeptical of like, is this is this what I would consider essential travel? Personally, no. I understand where they're coming from, and there are some deadlines they have to hit to get things done. Um, and, you know, who do you trust to get it done if not if you don't do it yourself? So someone had to do it, um, and it fell to me as sort of low man, new guy on the project. But um, I don't love that I'm doing it at all. I mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that has clearly colored my view of the experience. Like I said, I, everything was fine except that I just don't feel like it needs to be happening. So Yeah, does, does it seem like most of the people you're traveling – with or around were traveling for pleasure or leisure? Yeah, there was more business travel than I thought it would be. Um, and I'm basing that on just like what I think of what I'm seeing, Mm -hmm. um, at least on my flight, but like the flight to Charlotte at the gate next door was full Hmm. and mine was, you know, mostly empty. So I guess there's a little bit of a crapshoot. It was also like weird to be on the plane and the flight attendants. I was like the only person with the windows open on the morning (laughs) flight. Everybody else had the windows closed. I guess was sleeping. Um, and I probably should have been, I'm exhausted, but I had the windows up and was looking out, and like the flight attendants came by and I got in, sat down in the row in front of me because it was empty and was looking out the windows like, hey, have we hit Atlantic City yet? And I happened to have flight radar open and was re- watching our progress, trying to figure out where we were. And I'm like, no, we're about five minutes away. And then we immediately banked to the right, and I was sitting in the F seat. So I was, we, got, we were going to pass right over, and I was going to get to see it. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't. And he's like, ah, I was like, shit, he turned early, or it's going to be on the other side now. And of course, the flight attendant walked over to the other side. It's like, and then suddenly shouted out, like, sir, come on over. Here it is. Like, <laughs> we're, like, on, not final, but, like, well past the um, we've collected all the trash, buckle up, and you can't go anywhere for the rest of the flight kind of phase of the uh, trip. And he had me come over, and I walked across the aisle, you know, hopped across and buckled in on the other side. But, like, honestly, the last time I did that was in 2001, <laughs> late 2001, to see the crater. Um, and I was sitting on the wrong side, and the flight attendant said, oh, no, it's over here, and, like, called me across. So mm-hmm. kind of creepy in that sense um, and sort of weird in the – era and like sort of level that that made me think about but um i don't know i'm 
I have to do the work. I'm glad I'm getting paid. I don't particularly love that I'm doing it, though. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't your first choice of, of things to do? No, I, I travel. I, I'm being very responsible, doing my best. Like, you know, had the, my meal outside with my friend where we both wore masks until we we're sitting down and sort of were on the street facing vaguely away from each other to make sure that we were as safe as we could be and all those things. But, like, I don't know. It, it, does any of this really need to be happening? Should I even be here? Yeah. Kind of challenge. And hoping that we could actually solve the problems instead of just kicking the hand down the road. Agreed. And not sure I'm helping. Yeah, I get it. Well, um, stay safe. Uh, yeah. We've got some. We've got some stories. Uh, we actually have. It's kind of follow up. It's more of like a funny. Uh, funny up. Yeah, it's a funny up. To so Ben uh, Rouse sent us a tweet. He subtweeted us um, from uh, Fat Three Aviation, and the tweet is apparently Thai Airways made ten million bot a month from selling Thai donuts with taro jam desserts. On the streets. It might be more than what they made before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And and to be fair, it's not far off, probably. (laughs) Well, they weren't really making much money Um, (laughs) pre-COVID. 10 million would be... 10 million baht would be $300,000? 10, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. Yeah, $320,000 a month. Yeah, if they're making $320,000 a month in profit on donuts, that's pretty good. And and so uh, I mean, right? They, they, you do remember they had like the little pop up cafe that their catering group was running. Like they they are trying to do other things while they can here. So maybe they should just turn into Thai dining. I mean, and, and uh, presu- presumably the this is all extra stuff that the catering company is doing while it's also you know filling the planes. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else is covering the capex. Yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. It is hysterical. I think right. Like, why is you know Thai Airways doing any of this stuff, and why aren't they making any money at all? But. <laughs> Have we heard anything else about how they're doing as far as will they be just absorbed or, you know? I think we're still waiting to hear about the bankruptcy hearings and what the next steps are. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. Um, United is trying to expand some service into Latin America again starting in November uh, and then restarting San Francisco, Shanghai. Nonstop. Nonstop. No longer, no longer going to have the Seoul stop. That's That one's actually the most surprising to me. And and so they were stopping in Seoul for what reason, you think? Chris. Okay. Okay. Um, and is this going to be a passenger flight, or is this yep. going to be still cargo? Okay. No, it's passenger. They're taking a couple of their cargo only flights and converting them to passenger service. I think uh, Taipei and Seoul are also getting from cargo only to passenger, if I remember correctly. Um, I think I have that email. I can pull it up and check what we're talking. So it's um, yeah. There, there's a couple things going on. The the sole stop for Shanghai was because the U.S. based crew didn't want to be subject to. COVID testing on arrival, and if they tested positive, quarantined. Mm-hmm. And that actually happened with, I think it was British Airways last week, where one flight attendant tested positive and the entire crew was quarantined, forced quarantined. Oh, man. So um, there's some interesting things there. There's a lot of talk. I think Virgin Atlantic announced today that they're going to start testing all of their crews heading into China before they board um, to try to make sure that you know that sort of thing doesn't happen. Supposedly, BA was also doing that, and so who the hell knows how this happened anyways. Um there's a lot of sort of weird, interesting stuff going on um, in those uh, in the way that all this testing is happening and where, you know, the the breakdown is and who's going to end up getting quarantined. So that that one's pretty weird to me. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all happening. The, the, but so like one of the reasons but if they didn't stay on the ground, they didn't have to get tested. So that's why they're doing the Shanghai, the sole Shanghai turn. They could do mm-hmm. that within their block time and, you know, not have to stay. Um so I don't know if, how they figured out to make the stop and have it the overnights 
anymore. Um, but clearly they've got something figured out. Well, that's what I was wondering, kind of like, you know, they're starting San Francisco Taipei back up with passenger service. Taiwan is still not open, right? You have to 14-day quarantine even for transit passengers. So it's kind of crazy to me that they're opening it back up. There's either enough people who are, you know, residents returning anyways and dealing with it or some other weird demand. But mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that? I mean, Latin America. Uh, we've seen That's some- the other half is it's like, you know, increasing to 44 percent of last year's numbers, mm-hmm. um, which. OK, good. Up from 40 percent in October to 44 percent in November. So it's a nice incremental boost. It all seems to be dependent on the other countries like opening their borders, though. I feel like American is probably the best slash worst at this because they've been publishing revised start dates for all these routes repeatedly on their internal sales uh, sales agent like portal. And every couple days slash weeks, they update a bunch of additional ones to get like redlined into what the new date is going to be. <laughs> um and yeah, listen, if, if the doors aren't open, like that's what you got to do. Um, you know, you're not going to operate planes that aren't going to carry anybody, but it's, yeah, it's super interesting. And like, I feel like I have to go back and check, but I feel like some of these, they may have listed once or twice before and it like then had to pull them from the schedule. So that's the other thing about all this schedule stuff is like the China, I believe will really happen, but the other stuff is a little bit of throw it out there and see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is kind of interesting because it's, it's what like, uh, what was the Latin America destination? Was it Panama City, Panama? Uh, right, that's in the list. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a bunch, and I mean, some of them still have some restriction, but then there's other places where there's not a lot of restriction, but there's been some pretty pretty significant outbreaks of COVID. Yeah, I mean, Panama just reopened. We were talking about it. Panama is reopening mid October. Do we talk about it in the last episode? No, we didn't. Okay, I think I got the email while that episode was happening. Then. Um, you know, PCR or antigen test, if I remember correctly. Um, new service from Dallas to Key West. Interesting. Uh, resuming service from San Francisco to Tampa and between Denver and Miami. Huh. Uh, Denver to Frankfurt, going 3X weekly. Houston, Frankfurt, going to 5X. Um, and then you got Chicago to Delhi starting in December. Tickets are on sale now. San Francisco to Bangalore. New York <laughs> to Johannesburg. Just a bunch. Bangalore starts in May. Joburg starts in March. I'm just I'm a, I'm a little amazed by some of the European uh, re, I guess resumptions, but increases as well. Like I know they were running some of those flights because there was demand to repatriate people if need be, or you know people visiting loved ones who are you know sick or or whatever. Um, but to see the demand for Houston Frankfurt go up to five times weekly is kind of kind of crazy. Well, there are still a few places in in Europe and onward from Frankfurt that people are allowed to connect and you can, or, you know, to a, go to and the connections are legit. So that might be part of it. Yeah. Like Croatia is just wide open, right? Yeah. And Turkey is too, I think. And then Serbia, which. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, in the, this is the announcement that they confirmed Taipei is going to go 3X weekly from San Francisco and Seoul is going to go to 5X weekly as passenger flights, not cargo only. Actually, sort of interesting about that is all other airlines have sort of been trying to figure out where to get more cargo-only flights for United to be like, yeah, we're just going to start putting passengers back hmm. cabins. Like, I don't know how many of them United was doing with cargo or with pat with cargo in the seats, but clearly United didn't convert any of its planes to the COVID combi where it's all cargo. Right? They, if they did put cargo in the cabin, they didn't take seats out to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's the distinction we've drawn. So, well, they Houston drop- to Santiago, really? In Rio, three times a week each. Wow. That's a good the question is, are they going to drop the LA Guam flight now? That was a cargo flight, right? Yes. Um, probably not. I mean, you would drop that in favor of. Well, a lot of that was going to China, right? 
so there was a it was I think it was doing LA Guam Guam Shanghai. So if they're adding San Francisco Shanghai back, will they keep it? It depends on how much cargo they have to move versus passengers because you're going to bulk out at some point, right? Or wait out. I mean, I'm not sure what the limits are. Yeah, I mean, they've been running a um, 77W. When I flew to LA last week, it was 77W. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a fair point. Um, why, I guess, if that same cargo could have gone via Seoul, San Francisco, not um, LA, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's I mean this? So this is a question, right? Like, how are airlines you think choosing um, where they go back during all this? Uh, first, is it just based on you think data they have on who's booking what, or is there is there more to it? Like, you know, what's open, that kind of thing. I think it's a little bit. Uh, I think it's a lot about what what what's open. It mm. has to be right. I mean, there's there's just too much. There's the, the historical data of where they think people want to book is crap a little bit. They obviously can do some data on what people are searching for. Um, but even that is a little harder to tell. Um, and there are some historical patterns of like, you know, people from the Midwest tend to go to West Florida and people from the Northeast go to East Florida and things like that. But who the hell knows anymore? Right. I mean, it's at this point, it's literally, can we get anybody to show up? Hmm. Interesting stuff. So I don't know if you guys um, saw this, but tentatively the seven, six, four star coming back in December. We were actually just talking about the 764s on the last episode because we didn't know where they were, what the plan was for them. Newark, Amsterdam, December 1st, 764. Hmm. And Fonzie, you are right. They were coming uh, Shanghai, Guam, LA. I would imagine those keep flying. I don't think that goes away if they bring the nonstop to San Francisco. Because it's happening now when there's a not the one stop to San Francisco that could easily have carried the same, you know, the same or more cargo. So, Yeah. I, who knows? Yeah. I, I, um, regarding the 764, I would say that uh, putting too much faith in what's published for December in terms of equipment um, might be a mistake. Um, for example, I'm pretty sure the 737 MAX is still showing in November, and that ain't going to happen. Oh, have a little faith. I Come listened on. to the press conference in which the director of the Federal Aviation, the administrator for the FAA said they are going to take the Joint Operations Evaluation Board report and once it's finalized, put it out for comment. And putting something out for comment comes with at least a 30-day, if not a 45- or 60-day time frame for responses. And it does have to be aggregated and processed. I thought he took a ride on it. And he did. And then he said, we're going to put it out for comment. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So, yeah. Um, and also, his ride was, you know, not official. Mm. No, it's not part of the FAA's official review. It's just, you know, so for him as an aviator to get an understanding of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, so... American is parking a bunch of 7320, 7320, oh my god, A321 T frames. Um, 7320s? Sorry, sorry I'm, I'm listening and my dog loses mind in the back. It's irritating me. I want to fly on one of those. Uh, Since you've yeah. got GE 90s on a 321 frame? That would be cool. It's like riding on. They scrape a little. It's like riding on. You have to jack it up. Yeah, you'd have to, scrap, you'd have to jack it up on some rims or something. Yeah. Or it could yeah. be a 737 200. Ooh. Yeah. With GE nineties, <laughs> no. Boo! You're no fun, Foz. You, you, get the, you get the pub seating though, right? If it's a seven three two, we go Southwest style. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you, but you would only need one engine if it was a GE ninety. You wouldn't need two, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of rudder. <laughs> so, so they're parking a bunch of these three twenty one Ts, which are the three the three class three twenty ones that they use on their premium Transcon routes, right? 
So it would seem. Yeah, they've got. They're currently running like five flights, and I think two flights, five flights on JFK LA, and two or three flights JFK San Francisco. And it looks like JFK LA is going to go down to two flights, and San Francisco Francisco is going to go to one flight. The San Francisco flight maintains the three twenty one, but the LA flight's got a seven seven two. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade? Do you think? Well, there's no first, yeah. right? The seven seven twos don't have first, so they lose first. Definitely a lot more business class seats and more coach seats. Um, but it is even with, even with only two segments. Yeah, even but going from, yeah. yeah, even with two just two flights. But um, I mean, it's interesting because you don't see Delta reducing their flights, and you don't see JetBlue reducing their flights between the two cities. Hmm. Yeah, um, Munich, uh, Amsterdam, Milan, and are the three cities that will get it. And one of them is going to do a San Juan turn, and the other two come from Houston. Awesome. And Stephen, but for the Sunset Force is what's currently filed. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. So for the three twenty one Ts though, like for people flying, do you think this is like a has to do with first class with uh, potential you know movie movie people going back and forth between New York and L A? There's no high end demand. The, the New York has officially is a quarantine rule for L A arrivals. Mm. Not, I mean, who the hell knows if anyone's following it? But like the business business people are not going to purposefully go out of their way to be like, you know, like, you know, corporate managed travel isn't going to say like, ah, that rule shouldn't apply to our people. We'll just go ahead and book whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the premium demand, whether it's bankers or studios or whatever has to be very close to nothing at this point. Um, there's some challenge in, you know, reducing the frequencies and just giving up what little there was. But what makes it that what that also makes me wonder is how much of this is tied to are they moving cargo back and forth across the country and they need the bigger plane for uh, palletized cargo or container cargo? Well, I mean, they're definitely not filling their existing flights because you can pretty much find saver space on any of the flights in business and often first. Yeah. Which is interesting because the United flights are all full. Delta seems to be pretty full. Um, and I, from what I've seen, the JetBlue flights are pretty full as well. So the question comes up, why are the AA flights empty? Uh, terminal A? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is weird, right? I mean, it's weird that they're not able to... Because everybody heard, everybody heard Kirby say he wants to go back to JFK, so they're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a little bit of a wait. Details. There's still a quarantine uh, rule anyways. So, Seth, you put a story in here, and I didn't even know this was a thing, but Air Asia Japan is dead? Dead isn't Dornell dead. So, I didn't I didn't realize Air Asia had a Japanese operation. Three years. Uh, they, they launched operations in end of October 2017, so they made it just short of three years. This is the second time there has been an Air Asia Japan. Uh, the first time was a partnership with ANA, and it was... When, it, when that collapsed, uh, ANA rolled it into... Peach, which is now part of Vanilla, or vice versa. Um, mm. I get my flavor, my flavors mixed up there. Um, yeah, they, you know, they, they had they had three planes. It was when I flew them actually, like a couple weeks after they launched. Um, by coincidence, I happened to be in Japan because uh, it was right when Delta got its three fifty. Um, so I did that inaugural from Detroit to Haneda, or Detroit to Narita, to Narita, and then or Haneda, whatever, and then did a bunch of flying around and then came home. Um, but yeah, they so I, I grabbed that while I was there. It was a standard Air Asia A320 with a standard sort of Air Asia experience. Um, they based themselves at Nagoya and had by the time they closed down now four routes. One was Taipei, which has not operated since March. Uh, the others were Sendai, Nuchitos, and something else. I'm blanking on now. Um, and they all, I mean, they they suspended all of them from like March through 
August and then they restarted in August, but no one was buying tickets and they don't know when anybody is ever going to buy tickets again. And so they decided not to waste the money. It's only three planes and four routes, but it's to walk away from Japan again has got to be really hard. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's, you got to wonder if they can really ever show up again and try to run another domestic operation there. Is, is it, um, do you think it's something like that they, they have to get permission to, to fly in Japan? Like, is it a subsidiary, I guess, or is, is it just like it's separate company that they, it's run? a separate company. Well, I mean, it's a subsidiary, but it's a separate AOC. Um, so it's a, the local operation, um, in that context, like it is straight up, uh, an air Asia. It is a Japanese airline with Japanese registrations on the planes and Japanese, uh, certifications and, and, and so, uh, Fukuoka is the fourth destination. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was. It is a complete Japanese airline, and so you know, getting that. So that's part of the problem is getting a new airline started in Japan. You know, anywhere isn't easy, but it's not like they could just show up with existing everything. They had to sort of go through the whole process there. So yeah, yeah. Um, and they're giving it up again. Wow. Um, I, I, you know, this is not going to be the last airline that goes bankrupt or shuts shuts down operations. So it sucks. Um, particularly sucks for the people who had tickets who are told you can either get a voucher for any other air Asia service anywhere or, uh, wait 16 weeks and maybe we'll have a refund available for you by then. Eventually you'll get your money back. We think, but we can't promise you when. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> They've been taking lessons from air Canada. Yeah, exactly. Air, air Canada is like, you can not actually have a refund back. Go piss off. <laughs> piss off. <laughs> Quite literally at this point, but, uh, uh, any other stories you guys want to t- chat about? Eastern Airlines wants to fly to Libya. Cool. Oh, okay. Now uh, that's me trolling a little bit. That's just a car. It's a cargo flight from Rome. They're trying to move some oil equipment and ask the DOT for permission because there's a current rule out that says you're not allowed to fly in the Tripoli uh, airspace mm. here, the Tripoli yeah. uh, flight information region. Is that, the, is that what FAIR stands for? Or yes. Whatever. Okay. Um, so, like anywhere that it, where tr- Libya controls air traffic control, um, and they they sent this letter saying like, please let us do this anyways. And the DOT responded, you haven't actually explained what you want to do or why in a format that's acceptable to us. Please try again. <laughs> Use big boy words this time. Um, What's weird about it is, like, you'd think the person that they, they have, like, lawyers that deal with the FAA all the time and know what these regulatory requirements and filings mean. Usually when it's a request like that, or the re- a rejection like that, it's a random person. The last one I saw was, like, you know, just a random person being like, we would like to be able to take our child on an airplane. They're autistic or otherwise something, something and can only fly in this type of car seat, not the other one. Thank you. And the FAA responds back with, like, you do not explain how this is good for the overall, like, national airspace system, (laughs) Um, which is the requirement, right? If you want an exemption, it can't just be because you think it's good for you. It has to be something that's valuable to the industry as a whole um, or at least non-impact to the industry as a whole. And safety things especially is hard to prove that for. But to have a real company with the lawyers that should know what they're talking about um, file it that way is pretty awkward in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's their whole job, right? Ooh, did we have Avianca? Avianca? No, but I saw that tweet and was like... And this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, no, it's not the most ridiculous, but these days it qualifies as pretty ridiculous. Um, Avianca decided to host a celebration that the Colombian airspace is resuming service and they're, you know, flying again. And they brought a brass band on board. And so, as you can imagine, playing music through a mask doesn't really work. And that picture of the guys playing with masks with holes where their mouths should be. Uh, so, like, giant holes in the front of the mask. So that's not good. And they're they're playing an instrument that involves generating extra spit and blowing it out into the cabin. Awesome. 
And I'm, I just, it's shit like that. And I'm like, most of us are trying to do this right. What is wrong with you fuckers? Um, I mean, people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. There's we our get one. one. We get one. Yeah. Screw it. I'll flag their episode. I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's kind of just, it's beyond tone deaf, really, to see yeah. the picture. Yeah. The, the, I guess the, the amusing bit is when their competitor was like, yeah, we're actually way smarter than that, guys. Come fly with us instead. <laughs> So that was amusing. that was better than oh anyway. man, yeah, funny. I got well, else. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a slow week, and you're you're tired. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about inaugural travel that uh, Foz and I are are currently booking or have booked on the bonus side of the episode. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you'll hear that shortly. Um, but to our listeners, you can find us on Twitter at dots lines more dots more lines dot com. Uh, leave us leave us a comment. Shoot us an email. We'd like to hear from you. If you have questions or things you want to hear about, let us know. Uh, Until next time, bye-bye. Take care. See you later.